The following is brought to you by Will Harris, Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Welcome, everybody, to the Politics, Politics, Politics podcast for October 22nd, 2021. Your old pal, Justin Robert Young, here in Austin, Texas. I'm looking up whether or not I'm for or against Prop A. Oh, I got to get into the props, man. We're running out of time on props. If you guys have any crazy props that... uh that are that you're seeing ads for now. Now is about when you see ads for all your crazy proposition votes, because it's an off-year election, an off-off-year election. So uh I need you guys to send them in. Email in theyoungamerican at gmail.com. But I love this prop A in Austin because and this is what I love about all these props, the uh, you know, the the advertisements is that you would have no idea that these are the same thing. It's not like, should we give money to build a library or should we not give money to build a library? It's always like, vote yes on Prop A to build a library and then vote no on Prop A to save a puppy's life, right? There's always, everybody's got their their own thing. So Prop A, the actual Prop A here in Austin is vote yes on Prop A to keep Austin safe. Vote no on Prop A if you like schools and libraries. <laughs> Which it's just, you know, the, the I don't, I'm not even getting into the actual meat of this. I, I just I just find that dichotomy very humorous. So send me any of your thoughts on that. That is totally, totally separate from what we are going to talk about in this episode, which is one exclusive topic, the supply chain. First, we're going to look at some of the political side of it, what's happening, where we're at, exactly how bad the crisis is and where the pressure and pain points are. Then we're going to actually look to you, the listeners of this show, because I've been getting sent a surprising amount of emails totally without calling for them, where you guys are apparently a part of this grand logistics web that we that we know and love that deliver things to us and and allow us to live the lives that we live. So we're going to get some perspective from you, the PX3 audience. And then we're going to talk to our supply chain correspondent, James Thatcher. He is a 20-year veteran of this game. He is somebody that keeps a very, very, very tight eye on this and is somebody that has been ringing the bell ringing the bell about this for over a year from the moment the pandemic happened, big Jim was like, there are problems coming because the supply chain does not move fast. It moves very slow. And so if something backs up or begins backing up or is trending toward backing up a year ago, it's very likely that you feel it a year later. All that. Bird Friends, the supply chain crisis is here. What is the supply chain crisis? Well, it effectively means that whatever you want at all, goods, be them perishable like food or more stable like electronics, gifts like for the upcoming season, are having a hard time getting from where they're made to you. And that means you as in sitting on your couch in your underwear, ordering something on your phone or walking into a big box store trying to buy it. Although I'd recommend that you put on pants and a shirt for that. <laughs> 
It appears that America is beginning to notice this. Fallouts from the supply chain impact are noticeable for Americans that got an early start on holiday shopping. 51% of all U.S. adults reported that an item that they wanted was out of stock in the store. 54% of shoppers reported an item that they wanted to buy online was out of stock. And 49% found that an item that they bought was back-ordered or experienced a delay. A reminder that we're not even to Halloween yet. Younger respondents are being impacted at a greater rate. 70 to 72% of millennials and Gen Z respondents said an item that they wanted to purchase was out of stock uh, or in a store or online. So that's our reality right now. We are already seeing this. In fact, we have begun to see over the last week a more of a viral regularity of grocery store shelves being not stocked, at least not stocked in the way that we're used to. Now, the White House came out last week and said that they are on this. And we're going to get into that a little bit later. But aside from bringing together the unions, the port officials, and the big buyers and shippers to talk last week, Biden said that he would be very carefully watching the process. However, it appears that they might, you know, be looking at some of these trends and think that they need to take a more proactive stance than that. The Washington Post reported this week that the administration is now considering deploying the National Guard to unload boxes and possibly drive trucks, although a subsequent report by CNN said that it was unlikely. The fact that they're putting it on the table is significant, though. They do not want to be seen as flat-footed on this. The question is, was the time to act weeks, if not months ago? A reminder that these kinds of issues are very, very complex and require the cooperation of players that quite simply cannot be put simply on the same page. We're talking factories in China, plus international shipping containers, plus ports, plus unions, plus the shippers, plus the buyers, plus consumers. And by the way, consumers do also bear a brunt to this. Our spending has gone through the roof since the pandemic. Turns out that when many of Americans either don't feel comfortable or aren't allowed to leave their house, spend money on you know, amusing themselves locally or traveling, they wind up spending a lot more money making their home better, making themselves happier. Now, shortages are a problem. But aside from not being able to get the the you know Jen Jen Psaki, uh, uh derisively said this week to a, a question about this, uh, which was mentioning that there were problems months ago with this where people weren't able to get their treadmill on time. She said, "Ah, the tragedy of the late treadmill." And indeed, the treadmill probably isn't the most necessary thing, although correlations between COVID and obesity might have something to say about that. But still. I concede. Nobody needs a treadmill. You can run outside for free. Things that people do need inside their house is heat. According to ABC News, nearly half the homes in the U.S. use natural gas for heat, and they could pay an average of $746 per winter, 30% more than a year ago. Those in the Midwest could get particularly pinched with pills, uh, with bills up an estimated 49%. This could be the most expensive winter for natural gas heated homes since 2008 and 2009. Now, the second most used heating source for homes is electricity, making up 41% of the country. And those households could see a more modest 6% increase to 1,268. But homes using heating oil, which make up 4% of the country, could see a 43% increase, more than $500, to 1,734, while the sharpest increases are likely for homes that use propane, which accounts for 5% of U.S. households. And let me 
underline this again in red pen. Price hikes are the best case scenario in what we're looking at. Shortages are the worst. We're going to get into this a lot more, but first, we want to hear from what you guys have been emailing in. They asked me, did I go deep in my bag? And I tell them, I sure did. All right, you can always email the show, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Again, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Matt Bat writes, let's be honest here. Uh, There are hundreds of reasons for businesses having a hard time filling workers, but here's two more. And by the way, the labor shortage very much fills into this problem. And Big Jim's going to get into it a little bit later. Number one, businesses that are having the hardest times are the ones where employees have worked through the pandemic and couldn't work from home. Restaurants, dock workers, and those people are burned out. Let me add editorially, they probably got COVID. You know, I was in a place in the country where there were not a lot of restaurant jobs to be had, not a lot of bartender jobs to be had, but a lot of people that I've met here in Texas where bars and restaurants were open fairly early. Buddy of mine made it a point whenever he was sitting down at a bar to ask the bartender if they had COVID to a man and woman and the non-binaries if he ran into him. I didn't ask him, but they said they got it. So not only are we looking at places where they're burnt out, they have worked all summer, they have had to deal with everybody else's anxiety, but they probably had a disproportionate exposure to the virus. We continue with Matt Bat. COVID killed and retired a bunch of people at all levels of employment. These holes had to be filled, which caused a reshuffling in the workplace. Ain't nobody with any skills or a degree want to be serving your ass French fries at 10, at 10 p.m. A significant part of the workforce leveled up to better jobs. Better can mean many things and not just pay. I'm getting a promotion at work because somebody left during COVID. And now I'm leaving a hole for somebody else to fill. Possibly somebody who has been displaced to custodian during for, uh, during furlough. Now they're going to leave a hole. Matt Bett makes a, a, a very interesting point, and And I will add on to it that considering COVID disproportionately killed older Americans, that likely means that these are, are, are organizational chain losses that trigger everything all the way down. If somebody at the top end of the chain retires, leaves, dies, then that means the top end, the middle end, the low end, and the entry level all have positions because you are moving everybody up. Nick from Springfield says, my girlfriend is a children's department lead at a major retailer we are keeping anonymous. And right now is her first time getting toys in a very long time. The shelves have already been bare, but typically they start getting Christmas toys in September, not mid-October. As for the heating situation, this one particularly scares me. We just got the La Nina news yesterday, and we are expecting a colder, wetter winter in the Northeast. We heat our built-in 1927 home using oil, and filling half of our 275-gallon tank cost me $375. We paid $2.89 a gallon, which is the highest that we paid since we bought our home in October of 2019. Our previous high that winter was $2.59 a gallon. And finally, Anonymous writes, Listening to Biden's comments about FedEx and UPS needing to step up made me laugh because, at least at FedEx ground, we're at capacity. My station is three days behind, and I've been getting emails asking for people to go to other stations in the region to try to get them caught up. Even in FedEx's quarterly earnings report, they said profits were down because we were low on staffing and can't get our stuff uh, processed and delivered. Does the National Guard want to come and unload trailers? Well, Anonymous, that just might be the case. Although I can already see the Twitter hot takes. Why is Joe Biden putting the National Guard to work for a private company? Why are they making more money for FedEx, widening their ability to make cash with the public dime? But still, if we want things where they need to go, these are the questions that need to be asked and answered. I would love to continue to hear from you guys on this because apparently enough of you guys work 
in various elements of the supply chain that I would love to have a boots on the ground, uh, boots on the ground pulse of, and I know the listeners would as well. So as a reminder, anonymity is always guaranteed if for whatever reason you would like to talk via a secure channel like Signal, you can also do that as well. Just email something to theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Friends, there's only one way that this show continues to roll on, and that is your direct support. The, uh, oh, no, sorry, wrong plug. Uh, take politics seriously. Holy moly. Take politics seriously. Dot com is where you go. A reminder that we are heading out on the road again in two weeks. We will be up in Virginia, and then I'm going to spend uh, the rest of the week in D.C. We will do a meetup. I will announce a meetup in the next week in the D.C. area. So come on out. It's going to be a fun time. Uh, we will, uh, uh, we will, we will, we will do a big, a big old fun, fun thing. And also, uh, I get to cover the the waning days of this uh, this this VA governor's race. It's going to be very, very exciting to see uh, to see to see what happens there, and also to get back on the campaign trail. I just love the campaign trail. I just love going around. I like watching these boring ass speeches. I like seeing more staffers than actual voters. I love that. I just think it's fun. So I'm going to see Yunkin. I'm going to see McAuliffe. It's going to be a blast. I'm very excited to do it. But I only get to do it because of you. Because of the listeners that head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Become a member of our patron. Patreon. You become a patron. It's on Patreon. The reason why you do it is because at the $3 level... You get two bonus podcasts per week. $3 a week, around the price of a cup of coffee, depending on where you are. I might buy expensive coffee. You get two bonus podcasts per week. Essentially, it is doubling up the Justin content that you get each and every week. And 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 now you guys know, because we just did the free HBO week uh, uh, at the beginning of last month. But you get that Sunday, Sunday, Sunday show. You get that late breaking final edition on Thursday. Man, it's just a good, it's a good bargain. Join me, won't you? TakePoliticsSeriously.com Our guest today is a 20-year industry of the international shipping game and is our PX3 supply chain expert. He is James Thatcher. How you doing, buddy? Hey, man. How's it going, Justin? Oh, you know, I mean, I I feel like whenever I've talked to you about this stuff, and and I I wanted to bring you on because you, you have been ringing this alarm since, like, months into covid hitting america you were you were yes. ringing the bell on the fact that this is a a problem for a lot of reasons some we can solve some we're making better some we're making worse so let's start here with what uh biden announced what of the steps that he announced do you think are effective and which do you think are ineffective um, <clears throat> well, I would start by saying, uh, effective wise, um, he's talking to people rather than just, um, saying this is going to happen and not do any, not actually talk to anybody. Okay. So that's a, that, that's a plus, I suppose. So communication, um, they, they had the big summit beforehand. The fact that, that he is bringing the players to the table, those players being, the unions, the people who run the docks, the companies that run the docks and the major shippers and receivers, uh, uh, that's that's big. That, that's helpful. That's yes. helpful. I won't say it's big. It, it's definitely um, 
it's definitely helpful. Um, you know, the, the the sad thing is what he's what what they proposed isn't going to move the needle. OK, Re- realistically, um, what you have is and let's and let's uh, just real quick circle back. Uh, what he has announced is that ports would be running 24 uh, seven and that the federal government would be monitoring whether private companies are doing their best. And we're, we're going to define that as major retailers and FedEx and UPS. Right. So first of all, um, a, (laughs) you can open the ports, the, the portal loss and and what they've only committed to right now is Southern California. Okay. So you have Long Beach. Yeah. Right. You have Oakland, you have Seattle, you have New York, you have Norfolk, you have Savannah, uh, you have Charleston, almost all of those are majorly, majorly congested. Miami yeah. is starting to get congested. And that's surprising because Miami doesn't normally, Miami and Jacksonville don't get a lot of these huge container ships, but they're starting to feel the burn as well from Latin America. Um, so what is it doing? And what is it not doing? It is by opening up LA, you are, uh, and, and Long Beach, you are gaining an effect of the largest uh, port in the United States coming 24-7. The problem is everywhere else in the world is 24-7 and has been 24-7 for years. Yeah. Doesn't help anything. That doesn't move the needle. Um, the uh, amount of containers that they're saying they're going to move a night, 3,000-ish containers per night, 3,200 or whatever, that doesn't mean a hill of beans. You have well over today, 77 uh, ocean containers sitting at a drifter on anchor out in San Pedro 77, Bay. Or 77,000. Or, or 70, se- 77 ocean container vessels. Vessels. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. I'm sorry. I apologize. Yeah. I said yeah. containers, didn't I? Yeah. I meant vessels. 77 ocean container vessels sitting adrift off the coast of LA or on anchor in San Pedro Bay right now. Um, and each one of those, let's say an average, is about 10,000 to 12,000 containers on it. Okay. Okay. 3,000 containers is going to move the needle. It's just not. It's not going to make a damn bit of difference. Other problems. LA is full. If you've ever been to LA, you've ever looked at the harbor area in LA, you know that there is a specific zoned off area. It's called the Terminal Island area where you can put an ocean vessel yeah there's no more room out there (laughs) you've got containers that are well above 12 to 15 some even 20 high um and that you know when you consider an ocean container is about at maximum nine feet nine and a half feet tall you know you're talking skyscraper levels right if there's a big wind that comes through there you're gonna have some problems um the other problem is, so there's no place to put these containers. Yeah. You don't have uh, equipment to pull the containers out because you don't have chassis, which are the wheels. Okay. So you can get stuff off the boat all you want, grand and grand and wonderful. But to get it out of the pier, yeah, you need truckers who have wheels. You Well, first of all, you need truckers. And then second of all, you need truckers who have wheels. And there are no wheels available in the greater LA metro area right now because because this push of we got to get these boats unloaded, they're not bringing back any of the empty containers. So you have empty containers that are just scattered throughout the LA basin. You need to get the empty containers back, get the empty containers off of the truck chassis so you can put a loaded container on there and keep the blood flow moving. The best way to explain this, and I tried to explain this to somebody the other day, is imagine that you have your heart, right? Yeah. And the heart is the pier, right? And your heart is job is to pump blood, which is we'll call the blood cells, your containers, and it's going to pump the blood through your body. And those blood, those blood uh, cells got to go all the way down to your toe, drop off the oxygen, come all the way back. Well, guess what? You can pump your heart as fast as you want. Yeah. If there's no operating blood, if, if you can't, the blood doesn't move, you're still dead. 
Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't change anything. So let me ask you a, a, a dumb question. Because there are uh, no dumb questions. No, there are no there, dumb questions. Well, I, that's why I'm going to ask it. But but I, I don't want you to particularly think me dumb on this because I do know the no. answer. But I want to educate people because this is something that I've seen. Uh, Oakland, right? Used to live yes. in Oakland. Massive port. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so much empty space that uh, uh, they want to build a baseball stadium in the port and they're being fought with the, with the, the, the union there and, and have been. So you would think now at the time, if the union is fighting as hard as they are for these jobs at the port, the, the, the national supply chain, uh, uh, controversy, the, the big issue should have Oakland humming like it has not hummed in, in years and years and years and years and years. And one of the questions that I saw online was, Hey, You've got these 77 container ships out there in LA. Why don't you point your uh, point your ships north, unload these things in Oakland? Why is sure. that not a possibility? Well, <clears throat> that's good question. That's threefold answer. The first issue is uh, we are. <laughs> okay. Most of these vessels uh, have a port rotation call where they will go. Typically, the port rotation call is uh, LA and then up to Oakland and then back over over to uh, Asia, um, or they'll go Oakland, Seattle, and then back to Asia, or some combination of West Coast ports there too. So, so um, these are multiple stops normally. Correct. For a ship. And so so this is like if, if, if a flight going from Chicago to New York, from San Francisco, that that's that's what that rotation is. Correct. Correct. So and, and that's and because that makes the most efficient use of of the equipment that you have. So then if we look at we say, OK, well, why aren't we taking more vessels up to Oakland? Well, most of the ocean carriers have started Oakland only services. So. Those are starting to gear up and we are seeing yeah. more and more vessels go direct to Oakland and only Oakland and go back to Asia um, more so than we have in the past. So Oakland's become actually kind of a, a, a little bit of a beacon more than they have in the pre- previous years. The other issue is some of these boats are so big, Oakland can't handle them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you get you you do have a point at which you're capital equipment and the port depth does not allow you to bring in a 14 to 16 thousand teu vessel to to bring it in it's just the draft weight's too deep so um oakland is getting better oakland is getting bigger there is movement in oakland right now um so let me let me let me let me specifically fixate on this one thing and you correct me if i'm wrong sure the reason why those 77 ships that are sitting outside of the port of Los Angeles currently can't just say, screw this weight. I'm going to go up to Oakland and unload all the stuff that I had earmarked for Los Angeles is that it is a tremendous added cost to figure out how you're going to get everything logistically from, you know, dropping it off at another place and, and getting it to its final destination. And that's also not where the people whose goods they paid for to get delivered had it earmarked as being delivered. Is that true or not true? Yes and no. Okay. Um, the the bigger issue becomes were those a does Oakland have space to bring those vessels in? Oakland has wait time as well. Gotcha. Oakland has vessels on anchor as well. So a can Oakland bring those in? B um, can those boats even fit in Oakland? Right. Yeah. I mean that's the other side of it. Um, as far as well, could they take containers and just drop, drop them in Oakland? Absolutely. It's called force majeure. We had this happen uh, back in 2003. And again, in 2000, I'm going to date myself here. I think it was eight um, where the West Coast uh, labor unions were on strike. And so what do you do? Do you park a bunch of vessels? Well, a bunch of vessels gave up and went down to Manzanillo. And into uh, not into uh, to uh, Hermosillo, excuse me. They went down into Hermosillo in Mexico and dropped everything in Mexico. Now that was a real cluster schmuck trying to get cargo from Mexico back up to the U.S. because that area is, let's just say, not the most um, uh, easy area to move things Challenging. around. Challenging. Challenging. Yeah. Challenging from yeah. a um, as we would say in the New York area family perspective gotcha um, yeah <laughs> so um the the uh the the issue for oakland 
is 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 growth. And again, Oakland can take a ton of containers, but they can only take them for so long. Yeah. Um, and that peer, um, I had, um, I had dropped for my real world job. I had dropped, um, probably 175 to 200 ocean containers into Oakland on one vessel alone. And it took us two months to get it all cleaned up. Um, not, that Oakland, the port was a problem. It was just, you can only process so much at a time. Getting things out of Oakland, I've heard is just a a much different situation than getting it out of LA or Long Beach. Life is different in in the Bay area than it is down in LA. That's just life. All right. So, so uh, this is kind of what we've heard as this has become a political issue. Uh, Number one, yes, there is a supply chain problem. Uh-huh. It is bigger than any one political solution could be. And also, this is an unprecedented uh, unprecedented level of demand. We are buying more right. things. Things are coming in. So let's start with the last one. Uh-huh. How real is the increase in consumer demand? And why has that happened? The increase in consumer demand has skyrocketed. Um for a couple of reasons. One, more people are working from home. And so when you work from home, you are more likely to need, um, well, let's just call it uh, homework equipment, right? Yeah. Your, your desk that you have, you might've worked at the kitchen table for a while, but now you need an actual desk because you're going to work from home from now on. Um, you know, lighting equipment. Um, if you're going to be doing a bunch of Zoom calls or uh, you're going to be doing a bunch of Teams calls, you need to actually not yeah. be in a shadow yeah. all the time. Yeah. Um, you have more people purchasing uh, items that they normally wouldn't purchase if they were out working five days a week. Um, comfortable, like for example, uh, comfortable pants. Let's just put it that way. Sure. Um, uh, things that you wouldn't normally wear to the workplace. You're more likely to wear at home. For example, for myself, I'm wearing shorts all the time now. I'm not allowed to wear shorts in the office because it's a, a OSHA hazard. Yeah, but, but 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 that means you needed to go out and buy shorts. You need to, I need buy, to go buy. You shorts. need to go buy all these things, and I would presume that that also doubles for all the things that you normally get free from the office. You know, pens, paper, paper like, you know, whatever, yep, whatever absolutely. else you need. A printer. I'm sure there's been a bunch of printers sold as nobody has needed one at home for 50 years, and and now all of a sudden everybody needs them at home. Uh, scanners are another scanners. great, yeah, another example of that because we've moved on the multifunction printers in workplace environments and no one's needs scanners. And now everybody's like trying to take pictures with their cell phone and it's not working. So now yeah. the scanner market has gone crazy. So let me, let me ask you this, because this is what I thought when I first saw that is that during lockdowns, especially, especially in big cities where lockdowns were more likely to affect people's lifestyle People, including myself, got even more dependent on delivery services, got even more dependent on Amazon. So you have this big leap forward for any kind of we will mail things to you online retailer. Now, lockdowns and shutdowns effectively over here in in America, at the very least. That means retail stores are now open. And, And at the very least, whether or not we are still going to the retail stores, the retail stores still have to buy all the things that they're planning on on selling you. So to me, when when you look at the skyrocketing, that in my amateur uh, uh, way of looking at it seems to to explain it. We're, we we have a double barreled shotgun with with you know one thing that used to dominate, uh, although shrinking now all of a sudden coming back online really over the last year. So there's that, and you the other side of that is all of these retailers are also doing explosive growth in the dot-com sector. Yeah. You have retailers that uh, predominantly are more brick and mortar and they're doing great in their dot-com. And honestly, they're making more money at it anyway. So now they're buying, uh, their buying amount is a little bit more because they're trying to hedge how much do they ship to a store? Cause that's expensive to ship things to a store yeah. and have it sit there and then not sell versus putting it in a distribution center where they can ship out directly. Um, the other facet that we are seeing more and more and more of is retailers looking at the option of, do we hold these in a less expensive country? So do we hold 
stock in Mexico? Do we hold stock in China and just ship on demand? Yeah. Um, that has been normal for Chinese retailers to do in the U.S. market. It is now becoming more of an interest to U.S. retailers because, hey, the cost of holding a box in the U.S. might be, let's say, $2 a month, whereas in China, it's five cents. Yeah. Let, let's get into the, some of the doom and gloom here. Sure. Uh, uh, the first question screamed at Joe Biden after he got done with his press conference was, will the presents arrive on time for Christmas, Mr. President? Oh, boy. Uh, where are we? I've I've been a little pessimistic. I'm not going to lie. I've I've done I've done especially for uh, electronics. I've I've done some shopping of things I knew I wanted to eventually buy for for friends and family early because my sense is that when these things run out, what will what will not happen is that last few waves of kind of emergency goods that people need to fill in are my fears unfounded. Your fears are not unfounded. Uh, in fact, I would uh, I've been saying I think we said it on a live stream at one point, Justin. Uh, I think it was back in June. I said, if you haven't bought Christmas items yet, start now. Yeah. Um, I will say this for your younger listeners. Uh, Santa relies on a lot of uh, a lot of companies to help his elves make the products that you need. And uh, Santa may be giving out some IOUs this year, guys. I yeah. hate to tell you that, but it could happen. Um, we are seeing major electronics uh, manufacturers uh, and retailers turn around and say, you know, um, they're trying to look at what incentives they can offer for, you know, make goods um, to turn around yeah. and say, OK, we're not going to have X gaming console. And I don't mean to say Microsoft, but a gaming console sure. out there yeah, for yeah, yeah. this company or that company. Um, I have seen some things go out where, you know, there is a, okay, we know we're not going to get it to you by this point. Uh, if you order it online now, though, you'll get it in January. You'll might get it in February, but we're going to include these four other games with it. Right. So they're trying to bundle things together to make it, to still get that sale because they need the sale. So these are, these are, you're talking about direct retailers. You, you're talking, I'm or, talking about direct retailers as well as the gaming, uh, the electronics console manufacturers as well. I have seen um, some so discussions. That, that is just, just and, and we're using a hypothetical example. We are talking about Best Buy, Target, uh, yes. uh, all, all those, as yes. well as Microsoft and Sony and, yes. and like Facebook with Oculus and all these things that are going yes. to be hot Christmas gifts. Yes. Uh, uh, these things, even now from the supply chain, you can see people saying, hey, look, we're just not going to have these things when it counts delivered by Christmas. Like that's already done. Like this is just not going to happen. It's not a it's not 100 percent done deal, but it is the window is closing. OK, so let's let's think about this for a second. If you're a major retailer, you need to have goods. I mean, ideally, you would want to have goods in your distribution center by the end of this month, by the end of yeah. October, so that you can be pushing them out to your stores and ready for Black Friday. That's ideal. Yeah. We don't live in an ideal world. So let's push everything back. Let's say you want to have everything in the stores ready to go by two weeks before Christmas. You have to have it in your distribution center ready to go no later than call it November 15th to November 25th and then push out and yeah. then hope that you're hitting those timeframes. There are a lot of companies and retailers right now that I have heard the, that I have heard through scuttlebutt these are the these are the balloons that they're floating internally is okay what are our contingency plans what are we going to do how are we going to do make goods so that we can still get these sales yeah and that is a major concern when you have a we, we have an economy that like we have where we are a consumer driven economy that's a big deal yeah what about what we're seeing now with shortages in uh, grocery stores, uh, is, mm -hmm. is this another toilet paper thing where all of a sudden the president starts talking about the supply chain, everybody goes and runs and hoards some stuff and buys canned goods. And now all of a sudden you see spot, uh, empty shelves and that blows up on social media or is it something deeper? Well, 
we're already seeing spot empty shelves now. If you go into any major um, mass chain retailer, uh, you're going to see vacancies in, in, in on shelves. Um, the issue is not, will we see vacancies? It's what are we going to see vacancies of? Um, I don't think from a grocery line adage, we are going to see the toilet paper runs like we had when COVID started. Yeah. Uh, I think they're prepared for that now. I think they're ready for that now. What I do think we will see is increasing cost of uh, perishable items. So we're already seeing that in meats. We're already seeing, starting to see that in some produce areas as well, where the cost of things go have, have gone up. Um, and they're, part of that is the logistics cost. I mean, quite honestly, there's other factors that are applying to this, but part of that cost is the logistics cost. Um, and I don't necessarily and, and so think that, that's so going to- that You mean that, that you got to pay more to get on the ships. You got to pay more for shipping. You got to pay more for them to unload. You got to pay more for them to ship. You got to pay more for the truckers because they got to hire more truckers and, and that right. comes at a premium. And if you want to get there when you need to hit your windows and for these major retailers, that's their entire business- then just the price of the package goes up each step of the chain. Right. So there was a, uh, and if you, by the way, here's the plug. If you are not on Justin's discord, get on the damn discord, <laughs> go into ly slash just or jury discord is where you need to go. Um, go to the ask big Jim, the trade nerd channel. And I have done uh, a lot of things, but somebody posted and I responded to it, a picture from the New Yorker, which we all know the New Yorker is known for their, their, their wonderful ca uh, cartoons. Um, yeah. But there was a picture on the New Yorker of um, cookie monster walking on the street and says, is the supply chain crisis going to affect my cookies? And so I responded back to that tweet, basically saying, yes, it's going to affect your cocoa imports. It's going to affect your packaging. It's going to affect, you know, the cost of butter and flour and, and sugar to get across the country. Um, all of these things are all dependent on the supply chain. They're all dependent on the logistics market. Um, even if it's not an international purchase good, because we have crises with regard to small things that lead to big things, right? Yeah. Um, truckers. Uh, the other thing that nobody's really talking about is warehouse workers. Yeah. There is a drastic shortage of warehouse workers across the entire United States. Warehouses cannot fill fast enough with warehouse employees because either A, they don't feel like they're paid enough or B, um, they would rather go do something else because everybody else is hiring too. Yeah. Quite honestly. So it is, it is in an economy where there are job openings up and down the, the, the spectrum that at, you know, uh, uh, the position of, of warehouse employee, which is like oftentimes a, a, a job where people take because of the location or because of, of, of lack of a certain level of education. Like th those are the first ones that are going to go barren much in the same way that restaurants are. Uh, right. Exactly. Same, same with restaurants, um, professional truck drivers. I mean, truly professional truck drivers are at a shortage across the country because other opportunities have opened up for people and they don't view trucking as a, um, I'm trying to write, think, think of the right word. I, I guess the, the word that's coming to my mind right now is noble profession. Cause it, at one point it was a, it was a very noble profession to be a truck driver. It was a, you know, it was a very, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that truck driving has, has, has taken a hit. That, that seems like, you know, lifestyle wise, I don't know. I don't I, I, like, I mean, I guess you, you gotta have a certain, it is a lifestyle decision to be a truck driver. Like you have to be built a certain way. You have to enjoy a certain level of solitude. You have to have a certain commitment to hit these kinds of, of windows because, and this is where I'll use the dovetail back into the, into the, supply chain, something that we have heard a lot. And I will give you the floor to explain just in time, the oh. phrase just in time. What does it mean and how important is it to our economy? Just in time is a production method philosophy that says, um, I only want goods right before I need them. And the theory behind it is so, so not, I don't want not not storing it somewhere else to then bring it over. Correct. I want to have or I want somebody else to store it and supply it to me just as I need it. Yeah. It's a production mentality uh, philosophy that's been around for decades. Um, and 
the core concept behind it is if I have to sit and hold it, I am holding on to uh, revenue because I've paid for it. At, by, the, by the point I'm holding it, I'm pay, I've paid for it. And now I'm paying for the time that it takes to actually then go to utilize it and make yeah. something else. This has been a great philosophy. Just in time was a, is, is to my belief still a great philosophy in manufacturing. It's done wonders uh, for the automotive industry. It's made us much more efficient in automotive. It's made um, certain um, metals and materials industries much stronger and more robust because they're ordering as they need to. So you don't have a lot of excess capacity just sitting around. The problem is, is that <laughs> um, everybody picked up on it. <laughs> yeah. Because everybody said, oh, this is a great idea. We're all going to do this now. Well, the problem with that is if you don't hold on to certain things in an inventory situation, you don't have them when a rush happens. You don't have them when you have stockouts for lack of a better word. Yeah. And stockouts are money, stockouts are time, stockouts are more expensive than holding inventory in some situations. So most planning professionals plan a little bit of lead time, plan some time within this for this for you to have that balance of inventory, but in the economy that we have where your demand has outranked the supply available, just in time has just decimated some some markets. And there are a lot of mom and pop uh, businesses that are shutting down, quite yeah. frankly, because they can't keep up. They just can't keep up. All right. Final question. And this is one. this one's probably going to be the darkest. And I, I guess oh. I, I did not mean to uh, make that a pun. But one of the things that we have heard in a world where there are supply chain issues that will only get worse the further we go into the year are in some fairly critical areas, like for all of our friends in the Northeast, when it comes to oil to heat their house or or uh, gas and stuff like that. Uh, what do we know now about the possibility that you know you might have people in in cold homes and and you might you might have uh, uh, to to consolidate if you are in really really chilly areas. Um. There hasn't been a lot of press on this. Uh -huh. I'll be honest. There hasn't been a lot of in my sector of where I work in uh, and 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 that aspect, there hasn't been a lot of talk. I'm going to say this. Um, I do not think with all of the rhetoric that's being talked about right now, I don't think this administration is going to let transportation gaps occur in that area. Yeah. I think there's a lot of, there's been a lot of proposals. Do we, do we bring in the national guard? Do we, and this is just for the commercial environment in general. Do we bring in yeah. the national well, guard? Let, let's, actually, let's, 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 let's pivot. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. Big Jim, congratulations. You have now been elevated to uh, uh, president uh, of, oh, of transportation, excellent. not even secretary. You're the president of transportation. You sit side by side with Joe Biden. He can't veto you. So uh, what are you doing to alleviate this right now? Okay. So are we talking about, heating or are we talking about just all in general of it. all of it all of it okay got to ask the question first yeah first thing we got to do is and i've actually got a seven point plan here surprisingly go. i know i go, can't prepare go, it. Go. so point number one you the first thing the administration can do that costs no money whatsoever is we eliminate anti-dumping duties which are excess duties that we put on things because it impacts u.s production we can eliminate anti-dumping duties on the chassis, on the on the container chassis that we need at the piers. If you eliminate those duties, more people are going to buy the chassis that they need from overseas, predominantly Mexico that makes these that ships into the US as well as China. We can get the chassis in, we can turn equipment around faster. That is the fastest and quickest way that we can turn around and have a straight uh, answer when it comes to how do we move things out. Point two, uh, point two is, I just lost point two. There it is, point two. Um, we need to talk to these, we need to, to automate our ports. Our ports right now are very manually run. And I realize and I understand to those 
brothers and sisters of the union out there, then the Longshoremen's Union and the clerical unions that are behind them, that that is a very contentious topic. They're worried about their jobs. And I understand and appreciate that. However, everywhere else in the world is automating. If you go to uh, the major ports in Europe, they're automated. All the ports in China are now automated. All the ports in Korea are now automated. I'm not saying 100% automation, but we need more automation to be able to turn around and create ports faster. Um, There are areas in the West Coast that we could create ocean ports, but we can't because either we can't automate, it takes too long to get the federal government to approve that area to be uh, dredged and created as a peer area, or we have other issues from local concerns. Um, So those are things we have to worry about. Point three, um, we got to talk about the rail. You want to know what's really impacting these ports? You want to know what really will clean the ports out? Is we got to clean out the rail lines, not at the ports. We got to clean out the rail at the interior in the United States. Chicago alone at one point had 23 trains that were lined up waiting to come into that 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 terminal and they couldn't because there's no space because all the space was used by containers for storage. So if you want to use national if you want to use the National Guard, here's a great way. Take all the National Guard bases around that Chicago area. And I'm just using Chicago as an example. Choose what you want. Take all the National Guard bases around that Chicago area. Take all the old containers. Use your National Guard to bring the trucks over. Move all of those containers out of there. Drop them so that they are in a stackable, findable formation. And then guess what? The government can charge for storage at a government facility to get those containers to whoever customers have been sitting on and waiting for their, haven't picked up their cart, their containers in the last two to three months. And that, and that, is, and that, that is, and that is gumming up the rail lines right now. That is gumming everything up. People are using containers as storage devices. That's not what their purpose is. That's what warehouses are for. Um, point four. Um, the uh, importers, we need to encourage importers to change their mind about how they do shipping now. You can't put everything on the rail and just rail it to the interior. You may have to stop at the coast and use what's called transloading, where we take stuff out of the container, put it in a warehouse, and then put it on a truck and bring the truck interior, because that way things cycle faster. We can get the blood pumping faster. We can get containers back to the pier, chassis turned around faster. Um, uh, so, so you're saying, in, 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 instead of putting the containers themselves on rail cars and moving them where you need to go, just keep the containers at the at the coast, and that that helps the entire process go faster. That helps the entire process go faster. The problem is importers don't want to do it because it's an extra cost. I mean, my company so that, right so, now so, so, is so, so, doing so that, it. So that would be that would be a a subsidy from the government. That that is a worthwhile subsidy from the government to say, hey, we'll pay you. To, to put this in on a truck instead of taking the container away just because all these things need to go back and forth as fast as possible. Exactly. That's just, just even if it's a short-term 90-day action, that yeah. would make a huge deal. Um, we need to, again, we talked about warehousing. We have to figure out a way to encourage people to work in warehouses. I don't know if that's give tax subsidies to warehouse operators so they can pay more to people to come and work. I don't know if that's a direct tax cut or or payment uh, like we did with, we do with other certain necessary industries to bring in people to work in these warehouses to turn the freight faster. Um, Number six, this is going to be contentious again, but I don't care. The longshoremen have a contract on the West coast longshoremen contract for the entire West coast is coming up in July of next year. And there has been nothing but saber rattling out of the longshoremen, not saying that it's not deserved, not saying they don't deserve more money, not saying that they don't deserve more benefits, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But let's put a moratorium on it for two years. Let's get through this process first and then come back and have these discussions and we can all act as adults and treat it civilly. The final point, number seven, and this is the most contentious topic, and I've been talking about this for probably the last seven to 10 years, and this is very contentious. I believe we should nationalize the rail. Now, when I say nationalize the rail, I don't mean your Burlington Northerns, your Union Pacifics, your CSXs, your Norfolk Southerns, not the companies, but the rail lines themselves, much like we have the interstate uh, I-75, I-5, all these interstates are maintained and managed by the federal government. And anybody 
can drive on them and you pay a usage fee by basically buying gas because there's a tax on it. You pay that usage fee. Same thing could be done with the rail. We have a lot of, uh, we have a lot of rail companies that cannot mobilize because they can't find track to go on. That's issue one. Issue two, there within the rail, there is a division where you cannot go west of the Mississippi River, except for Chicago. You cannot go west of the Mississippi River all the way. There's no one rail line that goes L.A. to New York. You have to go through one to two different rail lines to go from L.A. to New York. We need to stop that. Nationalize the whole rail. So the rails are owned by the federal government. You charge a usage fee and then CSX can go from from New York to L.A., UP can go from uh, LA to Savannah, doesn't matter. Opens everything up and it cleans everything up. Now, will any of this happen? Probably not. But you asked me if I am the transportation czar, how I would fix this? Yeah. How I would fix it. Trying to think of a thing that we could call it for a program to, to incentivize workers in warehouses. Uh, I, I need an F, but I, I feel like extended loading and then i need i was like fine maybe but that's that's the opposite way but that's a money word but the elf program to get more workers in the warehouses for christmas that's that's the idea extended loading fund the extended Extended loading loading fund from the government biden's wearing a christmas hat this is a slam dunk People, please, we need your help. Roll up your sleeves. Go get a job at the warehouse. We're going to pay you extra money uh, from the federal government. Bring Will Ferrell, bring Will Ferrell out to do a couple Ferrell's promos in there. It'd be great He's doing the thing that I feel it's like a slam dunk. Uh, James Thatcher, big Jim to his friends, uh, our our PX three supply chain correspondent. Uh, always a pleasure talking to you, brother. Thanks so much, Justin. Take care. Politics, politics, politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. The show was edited by Brett Stewart. If you would like to uh, send a note to Big Jim, James Thatcher, our PX3 supply chain expert, you can do so at px3guest.com. If you'd like to email us, it is theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Our Twitter for the show is px3tweets. Our live stream can be found at PX3 Live. Our podcast is at px3podcast.com and all of the merch. A reminder, I don't know when this merch is going to go away. It is print on demand. So please head on over there right now, but but get it for, for the PX3, uh, uh, the, the, the PX3 fan in your life. Get all that merch right now at politicsmerch.com. Of course, you can support us. With a one-time donation, paypal.me slash payjury. Our Venmo is justin-young-20. Our cash app is px3cash. Our checks and any kind of physical goods can be sent to P.O. Box 1531-84, Austin, Texas, 78715. But of course, the only place you get our bonus content, two bonus podcasts per week, is at the $3 tier. Then, of course, at the $10 tier, you get your name read at this point in the show. In the Titanic! Ten dollar tier. Idris Arslanian, DJ Katie Mack, Neemeister, Dr. G, Lord Scale, DeKinse Anile, Admiral Flapjack, Utah Jimmy Montana, Edmund Pluribus Unum, Pete Spicery, 70s TV salesman or spy. D really and vote for Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Zombie Doc, Edison, no mention on the podcast, please. Dotcom Junkie, DP4 Bongo, Pop Gold, Jewish Lives Matter, Hundred Mile Runner, Double K Ranch. Ye old pinball shop, John Park, Snuffies, Off Route 44, Neil, Charles, Darren, Olin and Angela, DL, Stephen, Chad, Miranda Janelle, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, the most conscientious nonpartisan listeners, Brad, Richard, D Laser, just another pilot, middle aged Mike, the Jen, Will, J Pink, and Andrew. Again, if you'd like your name read, just like those fine folks, the only place to do it is takepoliticsseriously.com. Have a great weekend, everybody. Go make your Halloween plans. Carve your pumpkins. I don't know if it's apple picking season. Is it apple picking season? May or may not be apple picking season. Go pick an apple if you're in the Northeast. Stay safe. I love you all. Till next time. This is your old pal, Justin Robert Young, saying... Some shows talk about politics. Others 
talk about politics, and still more discuss politics. But this, this is the only show that dares discuss. Oh. Dog and Pony Show Audio.